PulpMX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Greetings and salutations, everybody. What is going on? I am Chris Kiefer. Welcome into the one and only RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by FXR Racing and Racetech. RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service, free, F-R-E-E, three-day shipping, over 75 bones, it's so easy why you guys should be clicking on the new and improved, that's right, the new and improved KieferIncTesting.com. Scroll down a little bit. There is a Rocky Mountain banner. You hit that, and that'll direct you to their website, and you continue to do your shopping, and that gives us a little slice of what you're purchasing. It helps us out a lot. We are a free service over here, so things like this helps us out tremendously, and it lets them know that you listen to the show, you like it, and they should stick with us. So we appreciate you guys doing that. And, of course, FXRRacing.com. You guys are looking for the best gear out there right now. Use the code KKMX35 to save 30% off a set of your next gear. You can get a new LE Revo set that just came out at Anaheim 1, or you can go to Helium or even some Podium Air. There's all different kinds of flavors over there at FXRRacing.com. And, of course, if you're a lady, you like to shred, you like to moto on two wheels, we have a special code for you because we appreciate you guys getting dirty as well. So simply email me, chris at keferinktesting.com, and we will get you a lady code that will save you guys even more dough because ladies rule, and they're way tougher than dudes. Trust me. I'm a big pansy. My wife is way tougher than me, so you guys out there deserve, or you ladies out there deserve, a better code than us dudes. Finally, Racetech, Racetech.com. You want to get a plusher ride, you want to float over those bumps, or maybe you want a little bit more juice out of your machine, Racetech does it all. They do engines, they do suspension, they do vintage bikes. Email me, chris at keyforinktesting.com or sales at Racetech.com. Use the code word Kiefer. Save yourself some money. Get yourself a better ride. And, of course, as always, thank you to our 2022 sponsors, Power Motorsports, Works Connection, Ride Engineering, Pro Taper, 6D Helmets, ScreenPrintingDone.com, Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. Lots to say about that in this episode. Plum Creek Funding, Blood Lubricants, Decal Works. You guys are looking for some graphics, maybe some Kiefer Inc. testing graphics. Decal Works is your place. You can email me, and I'll get you in contact with the guys and get you a discount. And, of course, Lip Pro. We have a discount for that. You want to race your buddies. But maybe you don't want to get roosted. Lip Pro will decide who is the fastest without even getting roosted. Measure up. Go get a Lip Pro. And uh, me and Aiden have been battling for last few months on this thing. And it's uh, really elevated both of our games. So cool technology over there at Lip Pro. All right. So a little bit different uh, podcast today. We decided to get uh, a new upcoming amateur rising star. Uh, Chance Hymas has signed with Team Honda for a three-year contract, and I've known Chance for a little bit, maybe three to four years, 
And usually amateur kids do not really catch my eye. There's plenty of fast amateurs out there. But what catches my eye when I talk to some of these kids, and there are a few out there, uh, Chance was one of those. Well-spoken guy, great family, down to earth, and he's just a normal kid. Like what, what I like to call, he's not douchey, he's not cool guy. He loves to ride his motorcycle. He works hard. He lets, uh, he lets his riding do the talking. There's not a lot of flashiness with him. He's not wearing his hat cocked at 3 o'clock. He doesn't have a flat bill. Like He's just a good kid. He comes from a solid family. His dad, Chris, owns a motorcycle dealership up in Idaho. And I've been seeing Chance around the tracks, You know, like I said, the last few years or so. And he was on Team Green when he was on 80s. Got to ride with him a lot. And he's just impressed me over the years. And every time I talk to him, he's an intriguing fellow. So I thought, why not do a podcast to open your guys' eyes out there to Chance Hymas? Because you're going to be seeing a lot of this kid pop up now that he's with HRC. Uh, he's been getting to ride Supercross, um, getting his feet wet with Kenny and Chase. Uh, he has Supercross Futures to do. He's going for a Loretta's title in the A-Class this year. There's a lot of things going on. We're going to see him in the pro ranks here pretty soon. So in this episode, you're going to hear Chance and I and, of course, my kid is on this show as well because I like to uh, get him involved to listen to other amateurs and see how they work and how they go about doing their business. So a little bit different than most of the things I've been doing lately. And in 2022, I'm going to try to step out of my box a little bit and not just do a lot of testing. I want to uh, want you guys to get to know some of these um, people out there that maybe you're not too sure of, you don't know a lot about. As you guys know, I'm a big people person. I really try to help as much um, I try to help you guys as much as I can, and I love getting to know people. Unlike Mathis, where he goes into an armadillo ball, uh, I like to spread myself out there a little bit more and then get to know these people, and I think you guys would like that as well. So here's the first of probably a few of these this year. Chance Hymas, Team HRC. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, we're here with Chance Hymas. Again, like I said in the intro, it's not something normally we do on this show, but I thought you know what, I'm going to make an exception for this guy because I've seen him around for a few years. He's made an impact on me. I meet a lot of amateur kids. And like I said in the intro, there's very few kids that I actually uh, can relate to or get along with or just talking about his backstory. So Chance Hymas, Team HRC, Chance Hymas, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, so real quick, we'll just cover this right off the top. So... You crashed practicing for SX Futures, correct? Can you let the people know? Because honestly, you really haven't talked about it. So this is kind of like, you know, first thing people are going to hear about. Like, hey, you got hurt. Yeah. So this had to have been two, two, three weeks ago now. I was at a public practice and it's a stupid little mistake over a double. And it seems like it's always the stupid crashes for me, but ended up doing a slight fracture to my wrist and my left wrist and an AC grade one AC separation in my right shoulder. So how's the shoulder feel? We know how the brake feels, but so the shoulder is really not that bad. Like I got a lot of movement out of it. There's just some stuff like that. I can't do like, I can't really lift with it and I can't do, I don't know. I mean, like it just, I got a little bit of movement in it. It's just a little bit of things here and there that makes it sore, but my wrist my wrist is fine for the most part. I just can't really push off with it. So no push-ups yet? 
No, sir. All right. Yeah, that's the always for me when I had like a separation or a broken arm. If I could do push-ups, then I was ready to go riding. Yeah, I've spent a big, big stationary bike guy. Yeah, God, that's boring. You're telling me. <laughs> All right. So living in how do I say it? Poc- Pocatello. Pocatello. Pocatello, Idaho. There's not a lot of. There's a few. I guess I shouldn't say a lot. There's a there's a couple fast dudes that had successful careers in Idaho, but. What was it like growing up in Pocatello, and how did you get started in riding? So, I got started because my older brothers did, and at the time, my dad owned the dealership that he still owns right now. So, I was just kind of brought into it, the family thing. But, I mean, growing up here, I didn't really start racing like nationally until at the end of my 65 career. So, I mean, living here, it wasn't that bad because I just didn't really ride for a living. And then once I started riding more and trying to prepare for like Loretta's and Mammoth and all that, it got a little harder because I can't ride in the wind. I mean, between like December and if you're lucky, March, you can't ride here because it's, it's either A, there's snow on the ground or it's too cold and the ground's frozen. So were you the were you the better one out of your brothers or you the slower ones back in the day? Did was there more potential with you or what about your brothers? Um honestly I don't think there's gonna be more potential with me until I got into eighty fives. But like back when I was on eighty fives, they were both faster than me still. Wow. So when did you what age did you know like hey this is something i really like to do because i kind of go through this with aiden and aiden's on the line here too so i kind of go through this with with aiden like aiden really didn't start liking to ride or wanting to go with me to the track until he was like 12 years old 11 12 so when your dad was taking you riding was he still riding and were you like yeah i'm good i'll stay home or did you always enjoy it i've always enjoyed it but the one thing like i always loved riding racing just wasn't my thing for a while like I did, I did RMX series. I just did the local stuff for a while, but I never did anything nationally. Like some of the kids I'd race, like Max Jarvis and Wilcox and a kid named Devin Slusher, like they would do Loretta's and just something like the, I think back then it was the Trans World and Gold Cups. Oh yeah. They would do those. And I just like, I, I'd only do the RMX stuff just because I just wasn't that big into racing. But like once I gone like 65 is like midway through the end of my 65 career. I was like, I had decent speed. So I started racing some of the gold cups in California. And that's like the first time I ever saw a rider D. And I think I ended up, we were at Paris. I ended up smoking him, dude. Oh, wow. I'm like, not to toot my own horn, but like nobody, like nobody knew who I was. I, it's funny. Cause we talked to Randy, his dad about this a little bit. And it's like, it's hilarious because Ryder would win most of the gold cups and stuff. And then the one, the first one I ever showed up and raced him, I pretty much just demolished him. <laughs> well, okay. So did that start like a rivalry back then? Or is that just like you guys were cool? You know, that's the first time you guys met and you guys were cool. I, I honestly don't know. Cause I think he just got on 65s or something like that. But I mean, I guess you could call it a rivalry since, but I mean, I feel like we've always been kind of cool with each other. Right. So, when, With your dad. Now, see, this is what I like about your dad. And I met a m- lot of mini dads. And I actually met Ryder's dad. And, and Randy's a cool dude, too. He's pretty chill. But your dad is so laid back, man. Like, 
when I first met him, and he's a big man, by the way, and he goes in for your for your handshake. It's, there's a big paw there to grab. Uh, <laughs> so, has your dad ever been in your ass a lot? Like, because I know that I'm in Aiden sometimes, but it's because more because of the of the effort and what he wants to do. But your dad always seems pretty even keel. Has he always been that way? Oh man, hold up, <laughs> dog. <laughs> I mean, kind of, like, on 85s, it was, like you said, with the effort thing. Like, it just, it was hard for me. Yeah. But, like, once I got into Super Minis and beat, and started doing the 250s, like, it just, I don't know, it started clicking for me where I was 100% effort all the time. And that's when he kind of just let, started letting me do my thing. But when I was on 85s, like, I, he, I needed him to push me to give my best every time I was out. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, like just run, once I started getting on two fifties, that's when it became more reality for me. I'm like, I need, I really need to push myself to do this and not have anyone else push me to do it. Was it but, like? I mean, it, go ahead. Sorry. He, he's still on my ass about some things, you know. But <laughs> I mean, for the most part, he just kind of, he's like, hey, this is. He may like, especially when we're there for the, with the team. He's like, he just stands back. He just stands back, let me do my thing with the team. Right. And if he if he sees something that I need to do, he'll talk to me about it. But for the most part, I mean, he's honestly super laid back. Like we don't he's never in my ear about anything, which is awesome, I think. So being from Idaho, you guys travel a lot, you guys are driving. So there's a lot of downtime. Uh, Aiden, yeah. I, I never get to talk to Aiden because he's always sleeping every time we go riding. So what <laughs> As father and sons, and, and a lot of dads out here listening to this podcast, is what kind of conversations do you – and I understand it depends on how you do at the race and whatever, but you get to spend a lot of time with your family, especially your dad because he goes to the races most of the time. I actually have never met your mom. Your mom seems to stay back at home and take care of the house. But, like, uh, what are these conversations like? Do you realize, like, hey, how much time you get to spend with your father and get to know your dad? Because, honestly, I never really got to know my dad a lot because he stopped going with me riding at an early age. So what is it like traveling with your dad and, and opening it up? Oh, man. I mean. Or are you I, on your phone all time the whole way back? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm on my phone a lot. But we do have like a solid, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour where we talk. Okay. But, I mean, it's nothing. It's very rarely that it's serious. Like it's a serious conversation. I mean, like. I think most people know I'm really into building dirt bikes. Like I'm, I do most of my practice bikes work and maintenance and I'm actually building a bike right now. So we've, these last few trips, we've been talking about that a lot. So what's like, what are you building? 450 X. Ooh. Okay. So you want to do, that's another question I have. So that was down the road, but let's hit this right now. So it's dude, you do not see here or you never see a kid your age, 16 years old, right? Right. Frame a motorcycle. Like, pull the motor out, frame it, grease it, take the engine apart from all the way down to the cases, and you can rebuild this whole thing? You've learned to do that yourself on a four-stroke? I, I can't do the motor, okay. but I can't frame it. So have you done a top-in on a four-stroke yet? I have. I didn't do it by myself, but I did take it all the way apart and had a little bit of guidance going back together. So this is something you enjoy doing. You like working on motorcycles. Oh, dude, I love it. Really? 
did. It's amazing. So what, what intrigues you about working on the bikes? Dude, I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I don't, cause I, 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 dude, I don't know. <laughs> so were you there, were you at your dad's shop at a young age, like hanging out? I, yeah. So I have been around there for a lot, a long time, just being around the shop and all the techs there. Right. So maybe that's what's kind of sparked it. Cause from a young age, like I knew how everything worked. Yeah, and actually that can help you in the grand scheme of like like right now where you are in your career testing and, and knowing how a bike works and you know the ins and outs of it. So that can actually help you with feeling on a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think that's cool. Like Aiden and I talk and Aiden is just starting to like do his own maintenance, which I have to watch over. But like I remember you telling me like, oh, yeah, I was I put my Cowie up on the on the lift and I was doing my own work. I'm like, dude, that's rare. You don't see any kids doing that. I mean – you don't see any adult pro professional motocrossers doing that. Yeah, my my dad my dad's thought about me just sitting around and doing nothing, having paying someone to do the bike work. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Huh? So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about your team green days. You basically, and sorry if I miss this. What age were you really starting to get into it racing wise? Probably eight, nine. And then were you on Kawasaki's back then? So. If I remember right, I was on KTM's till I was nine or ten. I got I signed with Cowie after Loretta's in twenty sixteen, so I think I might have been ten then. Okay. And that was just like a team green support deal, maybe some bikes and parts. It was I don't I don't really know. I mean it was the full I was on the team, it just wasn't the support thing. Right. But I mean it was yeah, I got the bikes, I got the parts allowance and all that. So any big highlights for you in the 85, 65, 85 class? Any big championships, highlights that you remember that stand out to you? Dude, before, I mean, I really didn't do anything on many bikes. I mean, I was a front runner. Like, I got a lot of second places, third places. And that was like that I, with Ryder D in the class, or was he always an age bracket ahead of you? He was always, no. He was always behind me until we got to super minis, mm -hmm. but we always raced each other. Because when I first, my first year on eighty fives, he was still racing sixty fives, but he raced eighty five a little bit. And then when I w I went full on super minis, and he was still racing eighty fives and stuff. But it wasn't just him; it was like Jet Jet or Jet Reynolds was really good back then, and then Max Boland, I had to race him too. Oh yeah, that's right, Max. Like yeah. all those, those three, and I'm sure that I'm missing a few guys, but dude, they're, they freaking ripped on super minis. So if people don't know your nickname, and I don't know if it's still stick with you now, it's super chunk. So I mean, I go, go by chunk a lot, but there was super chunk at one time, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so at a young age, were you fluffy? Were you a fluffy kid? When I was a baby, I was, I mean, I, <laughs> once I started getting older, I thinned out. I mean, I remember, I'm not, here's I'm the, not, not going to lie to you, dude. Even on 85s, I was, a, I was bigger than most of the kids. How much, even gonna, how much were you weighing on 85? I think, I'm not sure. I remember the last year I was on a Super Mini at Monster Cup, I weighed like 130. <laughs> oh, man. That's what you weigh right now, Aiden. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, so here's what I remember. Uh my sad ass attempt at racing the nationals in 2019. I remember meeting you up in Utah and I didn't really know you. 
I knew a little bit uh, about you. I remember because I remember I confronted you about absolutely demolishing me off as tabletop at Comp Edge. <laughs> yeah. So and you had no idea. No. You had no idea. So I feel real bad. So for some reason, I, I, I pushed you off the track or something. What did I do? Dick move. Do you slam? There was a 90 left into a tabletop coming over a hill at Comp Edge. And you, dude, absolutely demolished me. <laughs> off the track. The water truck lane and you know you know what you did over the jump you just waved oh did i probably said sorry probably that's what i meant sorry yeah you just waved <laughs> so i remember being in utah i was getting ready to race uh the two nationals i was doing and it was me you michael lessie i had a buddy with me and who else was with us chance deegan palmer dude. deegan palmer that's right because it was deeg's deeg's dad's track what was that track called SGMX. Right, St. George MX, which was, was, was pretty good. So we're riding there. We spent a couple of days there. Uh, we're doing motos. Of course, Tony's there, so everything's structured. So we're doing all these motos. And I remember... I think we did 330s that day. Yeah. So I remember you, one moto, you were on an 85, then you, you picked up a 250F on the last moto or something. You rode your big bike, right? No, so one of the motos, I was on my 250 and it blew up. Right. So I remember, so you people at home, I'm getting ready for the Nationals, right? And this young kid, I mean, 13 at the time, uh, we're in the middle of the moto, and he, I, I can't, I can't, not even, not can I catch the kid? He pulls me in and just yards me. So I'm tripping balls the whole time. I'm like, oh, my God, my attempt at these Nationals, I'm, I'm done. Like, I suck. And that's when I really started noticing you because you were on the 85, and, of course, we're doing these motos, and, and I wasn't even thinking about it. Then you got on the big bike, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude! Like, this kid's shredding. Like, you were really hauling ass that day. So that's when I first noticed how well you could ride. No, oh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how many people know this or didn't know, but I rode a two fifty for like a year and a half before I went full two fifties. Really? Yeah. How was that? For, how was that as a transition riding an eighty five to getting on two fifty? Did it screw with you? Not really. I mean, if I rode the 250 more than the Super Mini, it did, but I was so, I was consistently back and forth on it. Right. So it was, I don't know, it didn't really bug me at all. Yeah, so I have a, you know, Joe Aloff, his kid, he's racing, I gave him a 125 to use, and he gets on his Super Mini and 125, and it really screws him up, so you going from an 85 to a 250F, that's a huge jump, that's impressive. Yeah. You, you talking about Liam? Yeah. Really on a 125? Yeah, it seems like he just always says, "Oh man, I can't get when I go back to my it's my small slow. bike." It's yeah, it's slow. like it's weird. I can't I can't corner it. So, I, I for me, like thinking about it, I'm just swapping bikes as a test guy, and it's it takes a little bit of time to get used to. But man, going from a small bike to a big bike that's a huge jump. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I kind of struggled with it. Like I said, if I rode one more than the other, right? But I don't. I always made sure that I. Just rode them back and forth every time. I didn't spend too much time on one. So with Team Green, you, you built a relationship. You did decent on mini bikes. You, you graduated to B-Class, and that's when you really started killing it. Uh, yeah. great, great job at Loretta's. Being around the Team Green guys, how much did that like really help and shape and mold you? Once I got on the 250, it was more of a hands-on thing with Kai because they started bringing my bikes to the track, and that really helped a lot just with the mechanic part i started with travis perry mm -hmm. he used to work for dh then he worked for factory cali then he went to help the team green crew and it was just like 
I mean, obviously it's not a factory level, but dude, it's like as close as you can get to it. And it just, it helped make everything more real for me. Did it help you buckle down a little bit more and just be a little bit more serious with your stuff? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I was the most serious with it on Super Minis. I, I did, I tried all the time, but it was like, maybe I could have did a little bit more workouts and trained a little bit more. Right. But so, like once I got on 250s, it was like, all right, it's time to buckle down and get the job done. And then you won a title at Loretta's, right? I did. I won a title at every national that year. Actually, so I did AZ Open 2019. I won three titles there. Then I did Spring Nationals that year. Won two titles at Underground, and then Freestone got canceled. Right. Mammoth got canceled, and then Loretta's was the next race, and won a title there, Schoolboy 2. And that's a big one to win. Like that's that's a prestigious one to win. I mean, if people don't know and you're not familiar with amateur racing, which you probably are if you're listening to this, but schoolboy two, these kids that are top three are as fast, if not faster, than the pro sport or a guys. Yeah, like that year, it was it was myself, Jet Reynolds, Nate Thrasher, Nick Romano. I don't think Matt LeBlanc did that class. I think he did 450B and 250B. Yeah, I mean, dude, and that he, was in 19 or 20? 20. 20. Yeah, that's when we were there. So we were, I remember watching that that moto, and you guys were just, uh, it's unbelievable how how fast you guys go and how much how much you move around on the bike. Like, I'm older, I try to stay stationary, and then I watch you guys ride. I'm like, dude, that's got to take so much damn energy. It's impressive. Dude, even that year at Loretta's, too, I mean, we battled. I think I was in three or four different battles that whole moto. Yeah, that was that was fun to watch for us. I think we made a point every every day or when you guys were racing to go out and watch that. Yeah. That was Dude, good. even even last year at Loretta's in Pro Sport, we had people like Robbie Marshall and Keith Harrison and just some of the guys that were competitive were on four fifties. So it was me and Levi on two fifties and Kilroy was on a four fifty a few other guys on Yamaha's were on 450s, and dude, it was insane. So would they get better starts than you on the 450? Would that? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Me and Levi would be like 10th, coming around the first, 10th, 11th, something like that, coming around the first corner. I mean, and it depends. It depends on how the track develops, but most of the time, the track's hard to pass on. Right. Yeah, because usually like one or two good lines on the inside, and those outsides are pretty far out there. Yeah. I mean, lucky for us, we had lots of lines because we always race at like 3 o'clock or something like that every day. Yeah, so do you prefer that? Do you like later in the day, rougher, or do you like a, a earlier motor, a moto? I like the later ones. It seems to fit your style. I feel like you have a, I don't want to say, a, like you don't have a hang it out style, but you have a good technique. Like let, Let's say this. I would say if, if you're looking at technique, Comparing to Levi to you just that year, like Levi's a little bit more technical, uses legs a lot. Levi's got tall man style. Yeah, and then you have a blend of you're kind of like a tomac ish where you pull out these technique areas of the track, and then you have this hammerhead, like wide open, hang off the back style too. Yeah, I try to avoid the the full send it as much as I can. Like at, especially at Lorez, because if you try to go too fast in some spots, it's not good. Right. 
Does, was there someone that you looked up to growing up or a technique wise or someone you're like, oh, I want to mimic my style after that? Is there someone out there like that? Uh, dude, not that, I mean, not necessarily. One person that always stood out to me was Kennard. Right. Oh, yeah. That's pretty to watch. His, like, his style is insane. Like, even before I was on Cowie, Cowie and Honda rented a day, rented Paula for a day. And Trey was out there, and dude, like he's he's retired for I don't know, three four years, five years, and dude, he still rips. Oh, and like like his style is insane, insane. Like yeah, so when we go out for, we'll have Trey sometimes in production testing come out and help us, and yeah, his scrubs. I don't. I think his scrubs are underrated. Like I feel like Trey scrubs in his prime, and and even now when he's retired, better than James. Dude, they don't look big. The thing with James, they I thought they always looked big, but with Trey, they they were they weren't like they didn't turn into big whips. But he was so low to the ground. Low. Was it was it thirteen or fourteen at Millville when him and James had that last lap battle? Yes. And they touched wheels over the jump oh, that Chad yeah. Yeah. And we all know how that can go. We saw that at Millville what two years ago. Yep. Jeez. Or last year? That was last year. That it's was, happened quite. Yeah, I think. that's insane. Yeah. So Trey, this is what people don't understand. If you retire, just because the guy doesn't race more, it doesn't mean like the guy can't haul ass. He just is yeah. not in the race mode every single day. Like the guy still shreds. He has good feeling on the bike, and I'm not a big religious guy, but the guy is such a, such a nice human being. Oh yeah. Like, he's such a great person, you know? I'm like, I, I just want to be around someone like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've met him once at the Hockey Day last year, and he was, yeah, he was came up to me, shook my hand, super nice guy. All right, so that leads us to how did this whole Honda thing come about? When did you start hearing that they were interested in your services and that we want you? How did that all unfold? So it, it's kind of a funny story. So Lucas Myrtle. Yep. I met him at Loretta's in 2020, and he was like, hey, yeah, I want to be your agent. Like, My contract wasn't up with Cowie until October the next year, so I was like, I don't – I mean, this is mostly my dad's speaking. Like, we don't really need one. I mean, there's nothing happening. And then he kind of would just check in every once in a while and say, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And then it got to, like, I think February, and he was like, hey, do you care if I talk to Honda on behalf of your part? And my dad's like, if you can get us an HRC deal, then we'll sign with you, basically. Wow. So as good as Lucas is, he worked his magic. And it took from about, I want to say, March to maybe the end of August, September, to get that deal finalized. So, okay, so you have you had a deal from Cowie as well, right? I got one, I think, right before Loretta's. Okay. But we were, the thing is, we were so invested in that Honda one because we've been working on it for so long and Cowie kind of sat on, or Pro Circuit kind of sat on it. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. But we were like, they got us one. Like, we kind of, we need, we kind of have to see the Honda one through since we've been kind of dealing with it for so long. Right. Was it what, uh, it's it's funny because HRC is the epitome of factory racing. Like, and, and I think me and your dad had this conversation. When you think of Honda, this is the elite of the elite of factories. 
going back to Rick Johnson, David Bailey, Jean-Michel Bale, like though in my day, that was like the team to be on. And it, it is still that way. It's maybe kind of lost its luster a little bit now, but I think it's coming back. Um, so leaving a program like Team Green, Kawasaki Pro Circuit, putting all your eggs in the HRC deal, HRC deal with which you haven't even ridden the bike, were you nervous to be like, oh man, I'm I'm making the right decision, or was this something like you just already knew this is the right way to go? I mean, I knew I knew it was the right way deep down, but dude, it was leaving the Team Green guys. I mean. I was on that team for five years and it was like, I knew the bike, like I knew all that and I'm leaving to go ride this new bike that they haven't done a lot of testing on. Yeah. I guess forgot to mention that too. It's a brand new machine that you'd be hopping on as well. Right. Yeah. So I was like, there was one, like there was one part of me like, dude, I don't know if it's the right thing, but I, they started me on their 21 back on the older generation and I was good, dude. I mean, I was, I was, I was super happy about that. So, okay, this leads me. People like this kind of question. When you got off your cow, when you get on the Honda, what is the one thing that you notice, like, right away, oh, shit, this is way better? Cornering. Just how it leans into the corner? Called it. Yeah. <laughs> I called it. I mean, it, it's not it's not a it's not a trick question. Like even you ride a production Cowie versus a Honda, the, yeah. the Honda corners better. There's a but, sharp cornering. What but, is what is a what is Aiden thing? Well, I mean, okay, yeah, Aiden, you were on your Honda, now you're on your, your Kawasaki. What what do you think? I mean, a Honda definitely corners way better. I mean, that's their motto is razor sharp corners. But you can't be bought by the marketing slogans that these manufacturers put out. So your Kawasaki, would you agree, more stable, it doesn't corner as well? Yes. I mean, that's basically what everyone says, all the media idiots uh, say the same thing. So what about stability, though? When you get on, and obviously you're not riding a stock bike, I understand that, and you were working on the 2000 and and 21, not the 22, was stability an issue where you were like, ah, no, I feel like it's fine? No, dude, it was actually really good on that bike. I did, I only did a day of moto testing with Factory Connection, and, but dude, like, we came up with a good setting for it, like, right. But, like, on my, on my Cowie too, we had, the last setting I had going into Loretta's, that, it was unbelievable, too. Like, I felt like between those two bikes, like, they felt very similar. And this is, I've, I've heard this. I don't know if this is a fact, but I guess I asked you, did you ride the same bike as Jet? Was it Jet's bike? You know, at the end of the year, did you ride that same spec? No, it was basically dumbed down. Okay. I mean, as amateur, I mean, it, they took their pro spec and basically just dumbed it down for me. Okay. Like it made good power, but it was nowhere close to their pro bikes. Yeah, so that was like some of the reasons. Like I know earlier in the stages, they were wanting more bottom end and more power because you know the Honda didn't have a lot of bottom end, so they were trying to add more of that. So coming from your Cowie to the Honda, you had no problem with low end torque. Oh yeah. Hey, we'll be right back with Chance Hymas, but first, listen to these commercials, save yourself some money. We'll be right back. ScreenPrintingDone.com. My dream is the world's most powerful T-shirt. Do you want to look good, but you ain't got the money? Trying to get some T-shirts made? Yeah, Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. This is a T-shirt. You can get anything you want on that T-shirt. I'm about to show you guys how y'all can look fly. Your business name. That's my business. Your kid's name. Oh, Billy. Your favorite phrase, like "Let's go, buddy," or "Free jailbirds." I agree. Anything at all. 
ScreenPrintingDone.com. T-shirt printing business. Mention Kiefer on your next order and get 10 free T-shirts. That's what I'm talking about! ScreenPrintingDone.com. Hey, Kiefer, what oil should I run? What weight should I run? Lots of emails coming in about oil. You know what I choose? Bloodlubricants.com, 1040 Pro Series Synthetic Oil. If you guys haven't run Blood Lubricants Synthetics, you should try it. Email Jeff over there at Blood Lubricants, info at bloodlubricants.com. Mention the code Kiefer, get 25% off a case of oil. I run the 1040 Pro Series in all of my test bikes here. It works great. Keeps the engine cooler as well. Clutch life is enhanced and longer. I go through clutches on that Yamaha YZ450F every 10 hours. Now I can go 15 hours. So great oil. Email Jeff over there. Use the code. Save yourself some money. Email me, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. If you have any questions about the oil, I'm happy to help. Ride-Engineering.com. You guys want to get some clamps, some bar mounts, some chain blocks, uh, brake calipers. Adrian over there at Ride Engineering has a lot of quality parts. And if you use the code KT20, that'll save you 20% off what he offers over there. So that's ride-engineering.com. And he is not only the guy who tests the parts. I mean, I help him as well. But he also has an engineering degree. Holy crap. So go check him out, ride-engineering.com. Use the code KT20 to save some money. You guys out there tweaking on handlebars and grips? Trust me, I do it almost daily. If you're looking for a strong bar but yet has a lot of flex, look no further than the Pro Taper Evo bar. It is my favorite bar out there on the market right now. Why? They have great bends. The bar flexes. I don't get vibration from the bar. I'm getting older. I want some flex in my bar, but yet I want it to be strong. And Pro Taper has the strongest and the lightest bar out there that actually flexes. So go check them out, protaper.com. I'm currently using uh, SX Race Bend on my Yamahas. There is a brand new bend that's just coming out right now. You guys should see that. It is called Race Team Bend, and that is what we use over on Aiden's KTM and my KTM here uh, in the shop. So protaper.com, they have race cut grips, they have sprockets, they have chains, all different kinds of things. Go check them out, protaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not saved by the bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. If you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keeferinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris, hit him up. You guys looking to purchase a new or used KTM, Yamaha, or Kawasaki? We'll look no further. Power Motorsports and Sublimity Oregon is the place to go. Email me, chris at keferinktesting.com. I will get you in contact with David Sibley over there at Power Motorsports, and he will get you the best deal possible. 
I'm not kidding, man. Like these guys work wonders over there at Power Motorsports. They will give the best deals to all of my Kiefer Inc. testing listeners. No hassle, no BS, easy to finance, easy to get a bike. And hey, it doesn't matter if you live in Oregon, California, Maine, Florida, they will find a way to get you your bike. That's right. They work with moto shippers. Easy to get around, easy to ship. Man, it works so easy. I've bought three motorcycles from them over at Power Motorsports, and moto shippers have shipped them to me, to my door. It's so easy to do. So go visit them, powermotorsports.com. Email me, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and I will get you in contact with them. Why you punish me? Yeah, you guys know that time punishes you if you're not on top of your game. Look, I'm a competitive guy at 45. My kid is 15, and he is right on me every time we go out to the track. But you know what? You know what takes the guesswork out of who's the king for the day, who gets to talk trash on the way home? That's right. You can measure your lap times. You can reach your full potential, and of course... You'll never guess where you're gaining or losing time. Go to litprolive.com. You can email me, chris, at keyforinktesting.com for a discount code on one of their GPS receivers. Getting started is super easy with LitPro. Pick a GPS receiver, download the app, and add a subscription, and then you're on your way to improve your lap times. Get a better result as your, you know, than your buddy. That's right, because... There's nothing better than bragging rights when you're on your way home. You throw your guy a text, who got the best of you, baby? That's right, I did. And you want to know how to do it? Lip Pro. Aiden and I have been on this for about a year now. Super easy to use. Look, I am not a tech-savvy guy, and Lip Pro is super easy for me and Aiden to navigate. And uh, I think it would be a great benefit to you guys out there. So hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. Go to Lip Pro Live. You guys want to see anything related to how to keep time, how to improve your lap times, what section you want to improve on, all those things and more over on LipProLive.com. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Any questions, hit me up on my email, and I'll help you out with these advertisers. Back with Mr. That's right, Mr. Chance Hymas. It's funny because when I hop on the Honda, I'm like, ergonomically, you sit on you're like, oh, dude, I feel right at home. It feels so nice. Yeah, it's. Feels very balanced. Yeah. So okay. So, what now that you got the HRC deal? And I guess it's a three-year deal. Am I wrong? Yeah, three years. So, what is the plan? What is your plan now that you're just starting to get your feet wet? You're riding Supercross with the boys. Uh, I guess you made just started riding the twenty-two bike. Not that much time on it. Yeah, I started. In December, and this wait, no, this was the beginning of December. I got on it, and, and then what's the difference between twenty one and that bike? What did you notice? Frame for sure. With the new frame, I felt like this frame was more stable, easier to corner, felt lighter, easier to move around. Like it felt very nimble. You know who had some? T- uh, you know who had some uh, help in that? Did you? So you're talking about Trey. I'm just talking about uh, a guy you're on the line with right now. Yep. <laughs> just thank me. Let just thank me, Chance. A lot of hard work and tears went into that bike right there. <laughs> <laughs>
all right. And so did, go ahead. Sorry. And I did. I did make a tire change. You know, I we're gonna just hold on. We're gonna get to that because this that deserves its own segment. Okay, we're just gonna slow the roll on that part. We're gonna talk about that here in a minute. But you get on the new bike. You have a three year deal. What is the grand master plan that you put together with Honda? What's the timeline? What are we gonna see you racing? So this year, plan is to race all the way through Loretta. So I'll race three stone underground, do all the area qualifiers, do the regionals, do Mammoth, race Loretta's, throw in a couple off-road races here and there. And then hopefully the plan is to race Unadilla after after Loretta's or whatever. But I want to race the last few nationals. I hope they'll let me. Of this year? And then of this year, yes. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's even that's even sooner than I thought. Yeah. So is that because they've watched you ride and they're like, hey, we can do this sooner than we thought? Or is that something that you decided? It's, I want to say it's kind of both. It's something that I'd really like to do. Just even if they, I stay amateur another year, it's just something I can get experience doing. Right. Um, but, I mean, and I'd, go ahead. And after that, I mean, I'd really like to race. I feel like I could be ready to race supercross the next year race supercross next year but that's what with that was... my contract yeah with my contract it doesn't i'm not supposed to race pro until outdoors in 23 oh wow so that's my next question was you got your feet wet riding with the boys riding some supercross and i guess you've been you've been riding quite a bit of supercross leading up to your your crash but how do you feel on it do you like it more than motocross what's it about i dude i really do like it I'm getting to where I can actually get through the whoops somewhat decent. And it's it's just made me a little bit more confident riding it. Mm-hmm. They have this gnarly Dragon's Back at Honda that I've yet to do. So Dragon's Back, I'm still working on that. But like just dialing in the rhythms and stuff. Old Wimes has been helping me with that. Yeah, how's it, wor- how's it working with Wimes and how did that come about too? I mean, obviously he's an Idaho guy. Dude, it's it's been fun. I've we've gotten to where he's he really likes my retarded humor. <laughs> okay, yeah. He he likes the he likes all the same stuff I do. So it's just we went on the last one. I got hurt on that road trip we went on. We went by ourselves, and it was pretty fun. He's a good dude, man. That's one of the few guys that you can just bro down, and you wouldn't even know he rode dirt bikes. Yeah, dude, I I hope he doesn't listen to this. So he doesn't get a big head, but. The man is pretty smart. Yeah, and and I and how he speaks, he's if you listen to to Wimes, you can tell his brain is working before it comes out of his mouth. Oh yeah, like he's a really he's a good thinker, and his wife is number one on my top three list. Just want to let you know that his wife. Yeah, I love like Nicole. Oh, it's something about Nicole. She's just super hot, and I always tell Wimes, I go, "You're lucky, dude. I I think Nicole's rad." I've met Nicole once, and yeah. he brought chocolate cake because it was my birthday. Oh, nice. See? Nice nice lady, hot-looking, takes care of you. Like, that's what you want in a wife, I think, Chance. I think it might have been this other lady named Kelsey, but she did she did say happy birthday to me, so that I guess that counts. Yeah. Dragon's backs and whoops, two of the hardest things to learn. Yeah, whoops. It took me a minute for the whoops to get somewhat warmed up. Did Wimes help you there, or, or did someone else from Honda? To tr- Dude, Trey is great to Kenny. learn from. Kenny, yeah. 
I think I never when I was when I started around team Trey wasn't there. I think he was having a kid then. So he was back home. But I was there with Jet and Hunter and one of the days Kenny was there. So I'd I'd hit him and those guys were actually super cool about it and just telling me, Hey, you need to do this, that, squeeze your bike more and obviously I've I'd just sit there and watch him go through them. Did you have to learn how to drop your heels? Oh yeah, that's tough. I mean, I even with my riding style, like I'm used to riding more on my toes, but the whole like you have to squeeze super hard going through the whoops, especially on that new frame. Mm-hmm. On the old one with the dual pipes, you could kind of tuck your legs in with the side panels because they stuck out. Yeah, you kind of like locked you like, in back then, huh? Yeah, on the new bike, it's so slim you have to squeeze even harder. So, like, when I first started hitting whoops on that bike, I was all I was all over the place. Yeah, so it, whoops from, like, back in my day when we were racing Supercross, they were huge. And it was always a mental thing. Like, when you walk the track, you're like, holy shit. But then once you get on your bike, it's, it's a total different outlook, and you just kind of, like, get used to it. And yeah, I've, Dude, I've learned to just – I stopped walking and just looking at the whoops. I mean <laughs> – yeah. It's it just screws me too much because I I'd go hit him just fine but I'm like I'd stand there and look at him like holy shit dude right it's funny because you like oh, I'm gonna three out in this corner and you're like dude that is so far like when you're walking a track you're like there's no way I'm gonna three out of this thing because you got ten feet before the jump face but then once you're on the bike you you, you immediately just double out and you're like oh yeah that's not a problem I can three out that yeah way. yeah it's crazy and and to me whoops is a mental thing like the faster you get into them the the easier it is but to get yourself to drop to go yeah just to go fast random is it's so hard and then there's so many different variables like people listening these riders sometimes you hit sometimes you have a starter whoop sometimes you don't and then when you have a starter whoop sometimes you don't lift you lift your front wheel to the third whoop not the second whoop there's so many things that you learn how you have to do and then nowadays you got to learn how to jump them because eventually the track goes to shit which we see on saturday nights you got to learn how to jump them yeah yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot more complicated than just saying, "Hey, you, you need to go faster in the pound, dude." Like yeah. it's it's scary. <laughs> right. Uh, so, what's the timeline for your return? What 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 do we expect? I'm hoping <clears throat> maybe the end of this month, maybe first week of February. My goal is to race Arlington Futures, which is last week of February, I believe. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. I didn't have that down here, but the Supercross Futures went off in Oakland. Ryder obviously dominated. There was. And I'm not talking here. I don't want to set this up and like, oh, the riders, other riders suck behind it. It's just rider is an elite amateur, and there wasn't any more elite amateurs racing. And yeah, was your plan to race Oakland? I know I missed the qualifier for that one. I was at Minios, but I was going to do A2 and Glendale. And how do you is you think this is a good idea for you know the AMA to do this and failed to do this to kind of bring you guys in and and ride a normal supercross track? Did you think that's a smart idea? Yeah, I mean, it's. I do think it's good experience for us. It's just kind of I don't I don't know I'm trying to think of the right word. Well, let's say. let's let's paint this picture. AZ Open, you had a futures round <laughs> a, a, a qualifier, <laughs> and it was a shit show, bro. Yeah. Like, that's dangerous. I feel like... And then you go to Paula for... The problem, the problem is there's so many people that do the qualifiers that aren't going to go do the regular night show race or the futures race. 
Ah, okay. Like, I believe at the tech, the one I did in Texas had three palms. There's 23 dudes. And, and almost positive, not all 23 dudes are going to show up there. Yeah. Then, well, and that's the thing, too. I don't understand. Like, you're like, okay, we're going to ride on a scale supercross track to qualify to go to these night shows like Oakland. But then you go to Paula, and it's just an outdoor race, and these guys have supercross suspension. Yeah, and some of these guys are come like at the Glendale one. Some of these guys have moto suspension. Right, you don't know what you're getting. You're like, I go to AZ Open. I'm like, oh shit, I'm riding Blows's practice track. What the hell? Yeah, like it's, I don't. It's, I mean, I like what they're doing, but they need tighten it. They up. need with more people to make it more official. Like, right. You were either racing Supercross or not racing Supercross. Like the whole Paula thing was kind of stupid in my opinion like why why are we qualifying the race of supercross when we're riding moto like yeah like that race you raced arena cross to qualify for supercross to get your license right and even then even when they did that the road to supercross at least that was a legit deal like you knew what you were getting like yeah maybe it wasn't the correct way but at least you can show up to arena cross okay i need supercross suspension and that was the way it went yeah i mean even this last year the last year they did those futures for the futures class i mean the tracks weren't full-blown supercross but they were gnarly enough that you needed stiffer suspension not just straight moto right years before it was basically like a kiwi track another thing unique about you too and aiden was going to talk about this is you like riding off-road you race off-road races you race works races uh i know some guys have done that uh ryan hughes did it uh alessi did it who else did it uh tomac did it before yeah. he went pro so what is it about off-road that you like to do? Why? Uh, so it's kind of a long story. So my, my oldest brother, he actually raced moto for a little bit, and then he started racing off-road. So my dad my dad was obviously into it then. So once I kind of got the opportunity to do it, he was like, hey, I have a dump can and everything. Like, I know how to do this. So it's like, hey, let's go, let's go race how to do it. That at the time I was in the B class, so I could only do like the forty-five minute race. But dude, it was—it's just so much fun. Like a lot of people are probably calling me crazy for saying "abs too sick," but so you recommend I mean, any amateur kids listening to this, like young moto guys, you would recommend doing some some of those races? I mean, I would. Like, I feel like my results kind of showed it too. Yeah. I'd always at the end at the end of the long motos, twenty minute motos, I feel like that's where I would shine. And at these off-road races, NGPC series, you do hour and a half races where kit once and then works race you do two hours. Like it's it's gnarly. Are you at eighty percent the whole time? Are you one hundred percent at any time in those two hours? Oh yeah. I'd say my first few laps I'm probably hundred percent and then Honestly, I settle into a groove at like 90, 95 because I can, I don't know why, but I can honestly pretty much charge the whole time. I don't know why. Hmm. That's crazy. I don't know. If it, it's, I don't know. It's. Do you have your heart rate it, monitor on when you do these? No, I haven't been. Oh, okay. I was always wondering about that, like how hard your heart rate is for two hours. No, I'll wear, I'll wear it next time though. My goal is to probably do one in April. That have you? No, I think there's, I think there's one in print. Oh, okay, yeah, that's rough too, dude. I raced one of those, and that's choppy as shit. Yeah, I did. I did one in Taft. 
Oh, Dude. man. Silt beds. A chop I, that you can't even see because there's silt over it. Yes. Square edges, dude. I've never been so scared on my dirt bike in my life. <laughs> doing and, doing eighty five, hitting just square edges. And the two weeks before, like I would, the first round of mesquite, I was winning, and crashed in the silt hole. It was full of silt, and I just completely bombed out in it. Ended, ended up getting like fourth or something. And then the next weekend, race Havasu got second. And then, dude, I came to that thing. I got these guys blowing my doors off. <laughs> Going down straightaway, these guys are just blowing my doors off. I remember there's this you would come over the sill as a turning right, but it had square edges to the corner, so I'm like kinda going through it. Dude, Tom LaFontaine blows my doors off. Yep. So it's a whole different style of racing and I I really want to get Aiden to race a Heron Hound. I even told your dad this. Your dad's like, Yeah, I want to get a chance to do it too. I want him to do one. No. And uh you get dudes beer bellies, beer cans taped to their helmets, blowing by you in the desert. Blowing by you. It is unbelievable. Like it's, I'd love it. Like it's a different, it's a different crowd of people. Yeah, it is insane. And what's like, cool? I feel like you, go, you go to some of these motor races, and everybody is just pissed. Everyone just wants to just freaking kill each other. Right. Or you go to the off road, and like everyone's friends, and the, I might be, I might be over exaggerating, but I feel like everyone's a little more friendly racing off road than it is in moto. No, yeah. you're not over-exaggerating at all, dude. Like, I've grown I mean, up racing off-road. Hanging out with each other before the race. Yeah, and they bro down. If you if something happens, they're willing to help you. Uh, there's no egos in off-road. Everyone's there for a good time. Like, it's more relaxed. People go racing, and then they bro down afterwards. They'll share a beer. Like, it's less serious, and it's more like it takes you back to your roots of why you started riding dirt bikes. Yeah, that's... Honestly, for me, that's why I keep doing it. I mean, it is good for moto and endurance. It's like a reset button for me. It's just so much fun. And it's like, you go there to have fun. Not everyone's, I mean, everyone's serious. Everyone takes it serious. But it's like, yeah, we're here to have a good time. That brings it. That's actually a good question. Do you feel pressure now that you're with Honda? Do you feel any more? Or do you put more pressure on yourself? Or is it just like, yeah, it's the same thing? I mean, I put more pressure on myself now because I feel like I have obviously the next step up to me from me is hunter and jet lawrence right so it's like i have some big big holes i need to fill so i'm putting a lot of pressure on myself but these guys are like just go do your thing i mean it's it only matters what you do when you're pro you already have to deal so it you need get through this year i mean obviously we want you to do good right but we really only we pro. If there's uh, Which I thought was super cool. What's that? Like they just they basically told me just go have fun this year. Yep. Which I'm gonna do, but for me it's like I, I'm my goal is to go win all these races. Well, which wouldn't change no matter what team you're on, right? It'd be the same. Yeah. Yeah. If there's an amateur kid listening to this and they're like look up to Chance Hymas, what is one tip or one valuable lesson that you could tell them right now? Because there is one on the other line right here listening to you right now, by the way. I would do that. Honestly, I would say don't take it so serious. I mean, I've gotten to where I take it so serious that it's just not fun anymore. Yeah. Like, especially after Loretta's. Like, I take it so serious before Loretta's, and then I'm basically just drained out. Like, you just need to keep it fun. Honestly, like, doing those off-road races and stuff, it keeps it fun. Go, like, don't 
make every time you ride a training session go out to the dunes go hit some jumps or some go trail ride and go ride with your friends i mean dude it's like me and my buddy evan stice we'll go there was a day we went out to the desert and we unloaded my van three or four times we went and rode out on the res went and rode out on the beach like it's just i'm not as much as i probably should i gotta have fun dude and yep. going counting laps at a track isn't the most fun thing for me all the time right so that's why I do the off-road races, other than they're really good for me. They're fun. That's why I go to Moab and trail ride and stuff like that, because it's fun. Right. I don't know if you listen other- to like the show, like Pulp, Andrew Short was on there, and he was like, there's too many caged kids. And I was like, what are you talking about? Steve was talking to him. He's like, that's one of the reasons why I like the car and trail riding and doing these things because I'm free range. There's not enough free range kids. Like everyone's going to club MX or doing these clubs. And it's like, you get these kids that are locked in the fences, but you need to experience a little bit more than just that. Yeah. For me, it's like whoever you are. I mean, you do you for me waking up and doing the same thing every day is not going to work for me in the long run. Like some of these guys that are going to like MTF and, and or club where they're like on a schedule and I might be looking on the outside in too much and it might be different, but just wake up and doing the same thing every day. I do. I can't do that. Yeah. That's just like, like anything the, in life, man. Like you, you work the same job. It's, you just become a miserable person. You do the same thing every day. That's why a lot of these people that are blue collar nine to fivers are just, they're getting life sucked out of them, you know? Like even, even these last few times I rode supercross, like I would do my motos and then I would just go, ride the track backwards or hit this rhythm or throw whips off the finish line or do some transfers or some, cause I'm usually, usually those guys do their motos. They leave, they go work out. And I would just sit there and just burn laps. Like not even like putting laps together. I'm just screwing around him, jumps backwards and all that. Right. Just cause it's fun. And honestly, it's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It teaches you to weight your pegs and there's all kinds of things you can learn that you didn't even know about. Right especially on Supercross with all the timing and stuff. Yes. All right, the most important thing I want to bring up on this show, besides all the crap we just talked about, let's talk about tires, Chance. No. <laughs> I've been, okay, so people at home, so hold on, let me, let, me, let, me, let me paint this picture, then I'll let you handle it. So everyone that listens to my show, they know that I am not an MX-33 front type of rider. I've been pushing MX-3S fronts because I feel like that's a better front tire. I've actually went as far as digging in how I can find MX3S tires before they started releasing them. They're back. They're selling them. Now I can find MX3S rear tires now because Kawasaki still comes with MX3S stock. So I found a part number where people can go and buy them. This is how deep I go into this. So I've been telling Chance for, I don't know, a long time. Hey, man, you tried MX3S? Chance is like, nah. Tried it. Didn't like. I don't like it. MX33 is way better. Keeper, you don't know what you're talking about. So I get a text the other day, and then now that's this is where you can take over, Chance. Okay. So when I first, when I, like the end of my Supermanies, first time I ever rode 250, I had 3S fronts, and like, dude, my fronts tucking everywhere, dude. And I'm, I'm riding, like, I don't even, I don't even remember what I was riding, but I hated it. So I'm MX33 guy for a long time, and I'm riding Supercross, and I'm like, I can't get my bike to corner. I'm going around these flat corners. I can't corner. So at Minios, we noticed that the star guys had 3S fronts. And I was like, all right, dude. 
Tommy, we, we need to get some 3S fronts. Mm-hmm. So I go out, I do a warm up, like, hey, Tommy, throw a 3S front on. So he changes the tire. I go out there and ride, dude. Holy crap, dude. Mm-hmm. I never hit a supercross berm that good in my life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not going to chew my own horn, but there is one berm on the track. I felt like I had everyone's number in it. Yep. Key for ink testing, everybody. <laughs> Hunter, Hunter, and JB, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but the right hand draft finish line, I that was my corner that day. There it is. Little push from Kiefering testing, just pushing that three S, and then I did get a text, and you did say, "I have something to tell you. I have something to admit. Uh, I haven't cornered that well in a long time." Three S front tire, and that just basically made my week. Just to confirm, it's like ah, I still know a little bit. I still got it. <laughs> Chance on this. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there for everybody that uh, Chance uh, had to eat little crow, and then he is a 3S guy because, let's face it, 33s are, are good for normal people, but when you push the sidewall, you want some lean angle traction. That 3S has a softer carcass. You run a little bit higher pressure, and that is a really good front tire to run. They don't last as long, oh. but it is a good tire. Aiden, you have a question before we get out of here. Uh, what's your diet like for eating? Ooh, good question. Oh, dude. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not really... I eat, I eat pretty good most of the time. I'm not going to lie. On my way home... What is after, eating good? Like, what does that mean? What are you eating? Like, I'll eat, I'm not going to go out and eat junk food and all that. When's the last time my, you had an In-N-Out burger? Dude, I hate In-N-Out. When's the last oh time you had McDonald's? God. All right, that's it, everybody. Wrapping the show up. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like... So, before Loretta's... I do troll training, big troll training guy. Yeah. So John Wesling, they have they have this nutritionist guy. So I talked to him a little bit, and for a month or so, I would write down everything I ate. So I'd eat, I don't know, noodles, or I'd go buy a steak or some, or cook a steak and eat some salmon. Like, yeah, you see, eat more fruits and veggies. Like, all right. So as of recently, I've just been eating a bunch of fruit and. Eat my meat, bro. Eating steaks, steaks, salmon, chicken, potatoes, pork, potatoes, Idaho potatoes. Are you a mashed guy? Or are you like the little little nugget potatoes? I'm more of a mashed guy myself, but yeah. Here, here in Idaho, we have the best potatoes. Shocking that you would say that. I don't know if you guys follow Barstool Sports at all, but they posted a video of this little this little guy with a potato <laughs> on the back. Taylor. <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that leads me to the last question for Mr. Hymas. And let's let's just all appreciate what we have now because when he becomes millionaire, famous, HRC guy, it's gonna be a little bit harder to get him on this little janky show of mine. So jeez. Oh, uh you're on an island, chance and, and just bear with me here. Like for some reason you're with Wilson on an island. It's all you got, your little ball, Wilson. And but the gods above have granted you one meal for the rest of your life. You're going to get dropped a meal from wherever, from the heavens. And there is a, a ghetto blaster in the sky that says you have three songs and one meal for the rest of your life. What are you choosing? And you're well, never, you're never leaving the island. You're never getting off. So I did a lot of thought about this. Okay. You know, as much as I love steak, 
and potatoes and all that. Dude, I have a soft spot in my heart for Mexican food. I'm not even going to lie. Okay, so what's on the plate of the Mexican food? What do we got? Dude, pork street tacos with rice and beans, <laughs> carrots, jalapenos, chips and salsa. <laughs> Are we corn or flour? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like much, but it, it doesn't take much to satisfy me. Are we corn tortilla or flour tortilla? Flour, come on. Yeah, flour's way better. We're not, we're not on a diet here. Okay, now I, to, the, to the music. I remember this from Go last ahead. time. Yeah, so I, I did give chance that we were at the track, and I said, what would you were on the island, what would you eat? But you know, we never talked about the music portion. And this is, this is important now. A lot of people can tell you or tell what you're like by the music you listen to. So what are the three songs? So I'm more of a rap guy. I'm oh, not going to lie. God. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to broaden my range, you know? Right. So I'm going to start off the rap song, you know, From My Window by Juice World. All right. Aiden, do you know that? What's it? What is it again? From my window, or, yeah. From my window by Juice World. Yep. Okay. Go on. Number two. Okay, dude. I did "In the Club" by Fifty Cent. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're uh, that's my era when I was going to Blue Parrot. You know, drinking Midori sours. I can be with that. Okay, go yeah. ahead. But I did a lot of thought on this one because I really, I really love the Pretenders by Foo Fighters. But that's like that's too. I feel like if I'm stuck listening to that forever, I'm going to go crazy. It's too gnarly, you know? Right. So I had to go with another rap song, you know? It's a little bit more chill, so I had to do, like, My Life by J. Cole and 21 Savage, you know? No, I don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> I do not Aiden. know. Oh, my God. Aiden, do you like that song? Yeah. So this is the same stuff you listen to, Aiden? Yeah. Okay, I'm just, maybe I, I've come to the point where I'm old, and I'm maybe a crotchety that. old person. Hey, hey, dude, I'm not even going to lie. I do... Dude, I like me some Foo Fighters. I like me some ACDC. Like, dude, I go on phases. Like, I go on phases of rap. Like, dude, should I go on phases of the country? Like, okay. Well, I guess I'm. I, I guess I'm. I guess I'm Team Kitchen. I'm Team Levi Kitchen because Chuck Kitchen has a really good music. A little bit too. I love emo music. I'm down for emo music. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. It helps you feel. And Aiden doesn't like to feel. He's like, dude, listen to emo music. Turn it off. I got an emo playlist. Chunk was in love with it for quite a while. Really? Yeah. I did. Dude, it was awesome. All right. All right. Well, man, I appreciate you doing the show. I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot about you, and um, you're an easygoing kind of dude. You're one of the very few amateur kids that I like. I respect your parents. They raised a good dude. I try to do that with Aiden. Um, If you ever see Aiden slipping when he's not around, you're you're more than welcome to sock him upside the head. And, I can't. And I think it's hard living in Southern California, Chance, and raising a good young man that it's in our industry because I think when when they ride and they do good and you feel good on the track, you kind of bring that persona off of the track, and then it looks like you're douchey and cool guy. So I try to ground Aiden as much as I can. You living in Idaho, I feel like you guys don't get that because it's more real life where you live, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I live out in the middle of nowhere, but... I'm not saying you're living out in the sticks, but I'm just saying in Idaho, it's not nothing like Southern California. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'd be close. Right. So... Everything's a little bit more real here. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for doing the show. Hope to see you in February back uh, riding some uh, some moto and maybe down here, and let's go, let's go do some uh, shredding. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Keith.
All right, brother. Talk see to you ya. soon. All right. See you, boys. Bye. All right, guys. That was Chance Hymas. That was very cool. He's a good kid, Aiden. Yep. Uh, like I said in the show, not a lot of people that I, really grabs my attention, but uh, he's a nice kid, smiling, and uh, hopefully you learned something today, Aiden. Mm-hmm. One thing you took away that you liked, hmm. besides the rap music. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let me think about that for a second. All right. Well, that's the show, everybody. Aiden doesn't know he was really zoning out on the whole show, but uh, he's 15 years old, and that's what I deal with. Um, not a lot going on up there until uh, it's directed to you. I'm stressing on this two-hour mountain bike ride we got to go on now. We're about to go on a two-hour mountain bike ride. We're going to grind. Not troll training. It's uh, Kiefer training today. Dad's still a little bit bruised up from his crash, but uh, we're going to do it anyway. So thank you guys for listening to this show. I'm glad to do something a little bit different. It, 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 uh, just like Chan says, it, I've got to do something a little bit different to spice it up, have some fun, and it kind of helps you guys learn about these upcoming amateur kids uh, that I'm learning a lot about because I'm around the scene now because Aiden's doing these nationals. So it's, it's good to do these every once in a while and uh, push those out there on you guys so you get to know the future of our sport, which Chance is because he's coming. And uh, I feel like in 2023 you're going to be hearing a lot about him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, when he's when he turns pro, go by, talk to him. He's a good dude. And if you see a a, a big dude, with big old mitts, that's his dad. He's a good guy. Go talk to him. And uh, thank you for supporting this show. We'll be back next week with regular scheduled programming. Of course, we're going to talk about the Pro Circuit KX250 that you're about to ride tomorrow. Yep, uh, about it's that. a consumer based KX250. Mitch built a bike, so if you have some money and you want a KX250 and you want Pro Circuit to do it up. We're going to ride this bike, and we're going to let you know if it's worth it or not. Yeah. So can't wait to do that. I'm stoked on it. Support our advertisers. They support our show. They're great people. If you have any questions about the show or the advertisers on it, chris at keyforinktesting.com. I'm happy to help you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.